You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season four, episode four. Love is a burning thing. Latifa Alatas is an artist, producer, recording engineer, and performer. Her project, Moda Spira, is a musical exploration of emotional honesty characterized by intimate vocals and cinematic overtones. Her latest album, due for release in September of this year, is an in-depth look into her own experience of grief, heartbreak, and forgiveness. I had the opportunity to talk with Latifa about her new album and how songwriting played an integral role in her walking through a season of upheaval and personal transformation. Latifa has a companion podcast to her upcoming album, which gives a song-by-song look into the themes and the making of the record. You can link and subscribe to this podcast in the show notes of this episode. Also, for the patrons of the Makers and Mystics podcast, we'll have an additional interview with Latifa at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. This is my interview with singer-songwriter Latifa Alatas of Motospira. Well, Latifa, I'm so excited to have you on Makers and Mystics. I've been following your work for some time, and I'm really excited to get to talk to you about your creative process and your new record. I am so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, and as an artist and a person of faith, I really appreciate the time that you dedicate to crafting something special. Yeah, well, thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot coming from an artist as yourself, and... I likewise appreciate the work that you're doing. And why don't we start the conversation? Tell us where you're from and give us a little insight into who you are, what you're doing. Yeah, I hail from Colorado, although I'm moving. I'm making a move to Nashville at the end of the summer. Um, But I have spent the last, gosh, 12 years as a full-time musician. I had a project called The Autumn Film and then was leading kind of worship music, church music on the side um, to kind of pay the bills on tour. And Paige CXVI was born out of that. And that's my project that is dedicated to retuning hymns and toured the country for the better part of my 20s, getting to lead music on all different kinds of spaces, as well as getting to play original tunes, like in bars and clubs. And then in the last three years, I needed to kind of write songs out of a new personal space, and I came up with the project Modispira. And I released, the freshman release was a couple years ago, and I have just today finished the mixes for my second record. Wow, come <laughs> on, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will say this too, I'm, I'm also a producer and an engineer, and I've had the honor of getting to walk alongside some other artists as they've been crafting their records, and it's one of my deep loves to get to journey uh-huh. with people in the creative process. Well, tell me where you got the name Moda Spira. What is that all about? Yeah, I have an affinity for choosing names that are hard to say and hard to remember. <laughs> and I, I think I was birthed into it. My, my name's Latifa, and that's hard for Americans. So, <laughs> um, but I was looking for a name for my project, and uh, I started looking at like Latin names, and I found Moda Spira, which means the continual mode 
of like inspiration as in breathing. And Mm -hmm. I just love that. I mean, isn't that life? It's just no matter what is thrown at you, one of the most important things you can do is to continue to breathe because it's Mm -hmm. literally source of life, inhaling, exhaling. There's a rhythm in it. Rhythms are really important in our life. I'm a big yogi too. So like there's so much about breath, right? That's life giving to the body and to the mind. And so I I really like that because I knew it was going to be a project where I wrote about deeply personal realities and little did I know how deep it was going to go. But at the end of the day, if we just keep breathing, like we're going to you know, wake up the next day and do another one. It went off like a bang. Oh, everything, it changed. Why don't you tell me some about the record that you're putting out now? I've heard it, you've sent me the tracks, and I am totally in love with it. I think it's beautiful from the compositions to the sonic textures to the production of it. I just think it's a beautiful album, uh, a really deep album, uh, which I want to talk with you about some as well. But let's just dive into that. Tell us a little bit about this new record. Yeah, you know, I've been stewing on making a new Moto record Um, for a while and originally after I released the first one I was thinking okay the next record's gonna have like more soul and more R&B like I was thinking in the terms of like textures and and vibe Um, and then I had a life-altering event just over a year ago and uh, I realized that my marriage was coming to an end Mm -hmm. and I had written some songs prior to that and those all disappeared And I actually, I didn't do anything for the first few months after um, I realized that my marriage was ending. And then as, you know, the nature of a songwriter, a few months after, you know, spending a lot of time in bed and surrounded by my community, I started writing late at night Mm -hmm. and early in the morning and just all those random times where the house feels very quiet and your mind feels very loud. Mm -hmm. And songs just kind of started just literally flowing out of me. And I realized that instead of thinking about the record in terms of what kind of vibe and texture do I want to create, it was literally an outpouring of my process. And the sonics, all that other stuff, it came with it almost secondary. It was really about exploring the emotional pain and depth and realities, um, about capturing what it was like to journey through this last year. And I just felt so convicted about it. It's like the best word I could choose. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was starting to have a record on my hands um, the very beginning of this past fall. And um, over the holidays, I talked to um, Dave Wilton, who's one of my dearest friends and closest Mm -hmm. musical brothers. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been making music together for over 10 years. And I realized that he needed to be my co-producer because Mm -hmm. him and his wife, Allie, and their kids, they're my family here. They live about a mile away. And I'm, I literally walk into their house every day unannounced and open the refrigerator. It's <laughs> like the kind <laughs> of good. person I am. Yeah. Um, Let me interject this yeah, really quick. Uh, yeah. Just for the listeners, uh, you know, Dave is one half of Loud Harp. Yes. Who we've had on Makers and Mystics as well and yeah. in the in a couple of seasons ago. So Dave is Dave has been on in on Makers and Mystics also. Oh man, and he has got his solo project, A Boy in His Kite. Um, I co-produced that with him five or six years ago, and he is maybe one of my favorite songwriters I've ever met. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Same gosh, here. <laughs> so, and just a heart of gold, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I knew that he needed to be my co-producer because there was two things. I thought about re- making the record absolutely by myself. And then as I kind of started the process, I realized that so much of my journey the last year has involved my community. 
that mm-hmm. it felt wrong to not involve my community on the process mm-hmm. of crafting that, the record. And Dave and Allie have grieved with me. You know, our families were families together. And so it just felt emotionally really right to have mm-hmm. Dave involved too. So yeah, man, I've, I've been like just neck deep in the crafting of this record, neck deep and not trying to run away or ignore the places of pain and sometimes yeah. despair. And I just started to feel really called to make a record not just for myself, but for other people that have had a similar journey to mine. Um, When you're going through something really painful, I think this is not exclusive to divorce. It feels really alienating. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like you walk around the street and you're not like physically notably injured, but you feel totally splayed out. Mm -hmm. And you just feel like you're bleeding out on the street. And part of you is wondering like, how come people aren't rushing towards me trying to like, heal my wounds. Um, It's such an internal thing. And you just feel so alienated by it, even if you're surrounded by people you love. And so I wanted to make something that just made anybody in a similar situation feel less isolated and less alone. Do you feel the pain, the constant drain? That's one of the beautiful things that, that we as artists get to do is like we get to take the ashes of the pain and the brokenness and these things that that we do and and participate in some small way turning those ashes into something beautiful and like i said i've listened to the record and you've done that you know and these songs are just so so incredible but i want to ask you just on the creative process of making these songs yeah did you start with a lyrical concept or did you have a trajectory of where to go or did you just make the sounds and the lyrics caught up with you? How did you do this? Ooh, yeah, all good questions. I've written songs in all different manners. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. melody first, sometimes chord progression first, sometimes lyric first. This record pretty much out the gate was me having a massively, I work from home, right? So I have the convenience of just like walking five feet to the piano yeah. um, and I did not write unless I felt like it was literally an outpouring. Like mm-hmm. I, I've also been a songwriter where I've, I've labored over songs. Like I have a clever idea or something that feels meaningful. And then I labor over a four minute song verse. And I've had songs where like, it feels like it was like sent into my brain out my hands and it was written in the length of the piece, right? Yeah. yeah. This was a very organic writing process for me. So I would sit at the piano and let my hands kind of rest on the keys and let find some sort of notes. And sometimes the melody would come first and sometimes the chord progression, but they were never too far apart from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like they were tethered with a tight rope at the waist, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like um, one kind of leads and one catches up and one leads and one catches up. But yeah, this was one of the first times for a whole record. Um, there's quite a few tracks where like I would be in the studio late at night and I would get through three crappy ideas mm-hmm. and feel super discouraged and like record them into Logic and then tell myself, I'm gonna give myself one more shot before I'm just too tapped. And there's a song on the album called Regret and it came out like that. I was singing the lyrics into a scratch track and writing it as I was singing it into Logic. And I think that really actually represents what this last year has been for me. I'm, I'm a verbal processor, I'm an external processor and I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I'm also a four on the Enneagram. So like I'm a super deep feeler, but I have the ability to articulate my feelings in the moment in real time fairly (laughs) accurately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just felt really committed to processing 
through song out loud. I was in love with you. It was in plain clear view. But it takes more than one. It takes both of you. You know, it's interesting to me because lately I've had conversations with several artists and musicians that in their own respect have been going through tremendous difficulties Mm. and have birthed these creative outlets through that. Yeah, I feel like the last year, and maybe this is similar to other artists that have been funneling their own pain and birthing like tremendous pieces of art. I feel like this last year for me has been about looking at a garden and realizing there's a ton of plants that once were alive and like abundant with growth have now withered and died. Mm -hmm. And so the first few months we're kind of watching these plants wither and die and knowing that they are now subject to the elements in a way, you know, not that we can really control anything anyways. And then part of the work this last year has been looking at the garden and saying, it's time to uproot these plants. And I have to go in and if something's really rooted, it's like, it takes a lot of muster to pull it out. And it's hard, it can be painful. You can get calluses, you know, you can pull a muscle in your back, and but you have to be committed to pull it out because you know if you don't pull it out from the depth of the roots, Mm. that it will suffocate new life. Mm -hmm. It won't let new seeds grow. And I think that's what this year has been for me. And and I'm hoping that this next year is about tilling the soil Mm -hmm. and planting new seeds and then being patient to let new things grow. And so I think that there is something about the unearthing and the pulling up of roots capturing that in an artistic process. I mean, that's something everybody goes through. Yeah. And it happens multiple times in our lives. Yeah. And it's so applicable. So that's actually why I didn't wait to make the record. I have a few other friends who've gone through divorce and made records about it, but they've made it years later. And I felt really committed about writing it this year, tracking it this year and getting it done. And because I wanted to capture the nearness of the experience. Mm -hmm. If I waited too long, it would be like more than an arm's length away and I wouldn't be able to access that pain. Cause I'm already not where I was a year ago or yeah. six months ago, cause we move forward. But yeah, so yeah, this record is about pulling the roots up. It reminds me, I have this teaching that I do called the metaphysics of dirt and breath. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, the whole thing centers around the idea that once leaves, once we enter into autumn and the leaves fall to the ground, these dead things from past seasons can actually become compost yes. for new life to come forward. Yes. And it, it seems like, you know, that's yeah. really what you've, what you've done even with this record. And tell me what it was like to dive into all of this in real time is basically what you're saying, you know, as you know, if you're writing a song about regret or if you're writing a song, you know, about uh, just the pain of this experience, you're writing it as you're going through it. Tell, tell me what that was like. Do you always write in, in such a close proximity to what you're feeling? No, I don't. I mean, I do sometimes like autumn film had a, a record called the ship in the sea and it was the year I had buried my dad and there are quite a few, it was also the year I got married. Mm-hmm. And so I had this record about love and loss and new life and death. And um, these themes, you know, always repeat themselves. So I don't, I don't, I don't always, but I felt so drawn to writing in, in experience here. And so, man, it was painful. Like there mm-hmm. were moments where I would sit and write 
and and kind of realize what I had just written. And then I would just like sit with my hands on my head and I would just cry. Mm-hmm. And realizing just allowing kind of the the energy of pain um, to not like become a locked space in my body, but to let it flow out of me, out of my lungs, out of my voice. Like I know like in um, Eastern tradition, they say that lungs are lungs and I believe liver are one of the things that carry grief and mm-hmm. carry anxiety. And so I love the idea of like, as a singer, I'm literally like rattling my lungs. I'm rattling my, mm. my rib cage. It's literally creating sonic movement in yeah. my body. And so it's moving that grief and that darkness and that pain and keeping it from being just a locked tight space. And I think there's something to the release um, that can come through tears or singing or dancing or whatever your your process is that like really help us move through pain as opposed to like be paralyzed by pain. And so I just like let writing these songs be a part of me moving through pain. Mm. And even wow. if, it, I, I mean, there's some lyrics, man, that I've, when I've listened back, they're, they're hard for me, still, yeah. but they yeah. feel like the right lyric. And so I guess I'll leave it. You know? Yeah, no, well, I, I appreciate that so much. And, yeah. you know, I was, I was thinking about the one song on the album that, that comes to mind on that is uh, Four Letter Word. Oh man, that was you know? a real moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's as real as it gets. Hope is a four letter word. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Ooh. I was feeling it right with you when I was listening through that, but it was, it was so incredible. Yeah. It was so incredible. That actually came out of a conversation. So Aaron Strumpel, another brilliant artist and good buddy of mine, he's a dear part of our community. And he and I, I have this thing where even the last year, if someone even says the word hope, my body kind of like tightens or withdraws or locks up. And I'm realizing it's because hope feels scary. And then I have to do the work of, well, why does it feel scary? And then I have to unpack the fact that my hope has actually been resting in my expectation and what is actually really what feels like entitlement to what I am owed for whatever like I live or do. So yeah. like, I think there's a lot of people that like, hey, if we do the right things, if we treat people kindly, if we live out the tenets of the fruit of the spirit, like kindness and gentleness and love and generosity, you know, then like we're gonna end up with like a quote unquote beautiful life, right? And I've never been, um, never thought I would be void of suffering, but we kind of think like in my marriage, like I was like, I'm really committed to loving my husband well. I'm, I know there's ups and downs and that's what the whole first record's about, but I am committed and like, I love you. So I'm in this, right? And you just think if you do the work, like the garden metaphor of tending the soil and pulling the weeds and, and checking on it every day, that somehow like it'll be an abundant garden. But man, if you talk to any farmer, there's seasons where the elements destroy it yeah, and it's totally out of your hands. Right. And so you just then have to think, well, why do I do the work? Like, Mm -hmm. why do I commit to the, like living my life out of these tenants? And you realize it's because at least for me, I don't know how to do it another way. And I don't want to do it another way. And if I wake up tomorrow and it's all gone to pot, I don't want to feel ashamed about the choices I made. And so hope, I realized I was, and I think we do this actually a lot in American culture. We tend to be a very like, pull it up by your bootstraps and make your dreams come true kind of country. It's like, it's kind of in our credo. And those are words that we actually live by, whether we say we want to or not. And I really had to unpack that for myself. And so hope 
I still feel kind of scared of it. And Dave and I got in this long conversation about it yesterday because he was like, well, Tifa, you are really hopeful. And I was like, man, you know what I'm hopeful about is that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and the fruit of the spirit is still available to me mm-hmm. no matter what. But yeah. everything else, man, <laughs> I have no idea, you know? Yeah. So like, and I just, that's just literally the fragile place that I'm in right now. And I think when your world's been shattered, like that's a, a place to start from, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like hope is a four letter word. Like it was me kind of like trying to tell my community, like you can have hope for me, but like, don't tell me I have to have it right now because every time you say it, I feel like dying inside. I'm practicing loneliness. I'm practicing grief. And I don't know how long this rehearsal will be well it sounds like you've really been moving through the grief in a healthy way and i think that that's such a testament and even such um what's a four-letter word i could use a hope uh field thing you know for others that are going through something similar to that but Mm -hmm. Uh, even when I look at the layout of your song choices in the in the order that you've placed these songs, yeah. I see that journey moving through grief. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I, the the dance with grief is so nuanced, right? It's like yeah. it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, do I, I like I need to get to know her, right, or yeah. him, whatever. So like for me, I've thought about grief as like a mirror image of myself. She's like a a version of me that exists. And if I don't pay attention to her, if I don't take the work of looking her deep in the eyes and getting to know her and saying, you are welcome here and I love you and I'm gonna adopt you like into my life and my daily rhythm, she's gonna get really loud and she's gonna throw a temper tantrum mm-hmm. or she's gonna like come up with something dark and sinister to get my attention, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think that like, much like a child that throws a temper tantrum, like, you know, that child is asking for attention. And so it's like, I want to spend my my time that I need to, to get to know her, to get to know Grief Latifah. Um, so that five years from now, she's not throwing an ugly temper tantrum and like yeah. I've lost my mind and I'm slave to like her will, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like I think that like, for me, like this record was staring her in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you can only stare somebody at somebody so long before you start blinking. And then like, you have to start looking away because it becomes awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think like, that's good. That's totally fine. Like we need to start looking at other things. Otherwise we're yeah. consumed, you know? And so the record, um, you know, the last song, it, it, it's a hard song for me. It's still challenging. Yeah. And the song talks about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dave tends to lean towards very hopeful narratives. I kind of gravitate towards darker narratives, but that's kind of why we make a great team. Like even yeah. sonically, we make a great team because like, like he grew up in indie culture. So he likes a mix of drums, like really far back and warm. And, and I like grew up in like the pop, you know, classical culture. So I'm like, turn those up. And like, mm-hmm. and I, I think you can even hear in the mixes, like Dave really like did something new with his mixing and this. And part of it is me just barking in his ear the whole time. <laughs> but like, I, we make a good team in that way. You know, it's a good audio balance, it's good emotional balance. But yeah. um, I was gonna show Dave the record. I was gonna play through it for him in February. And it was the day before and I was playing through everything. And I, you know, I take breaks. It's, it's, I've learned in my older years as an artist that it's really good to walk away, you know, mm-hmm. even for 10, 30 minutes. Um, Cause we'll come back a little more refreshed with perspective. And so I was like, okay, I, I need to walk away. Is this record finished is what I was asking myself. And at that point, the record was 10 songs, 
you know? And I took my dog on a walk and I kind of felt this nudge in my spirit saying like, I think there's one more song you have to write. Mm. And, and I was like, no, why? You know? And the nudge was like, I think you need to talk about forgiveness. And the reason why I think you need to talk about forgiveness is Latifa, even though you might not be ready today, and these are really hard words to say today, the hope uh, um, is that um, in time, you'll be really ready to say these words and it'll feel good to say these words and it will be freeing and releasing. So that song for me is an act of like obedience and discipline almost. And I think that, um, you know, even like, so I wrote it, I came back and I wrote it like right after the walk. And then I, sh- I showed it to Dave. I said, I have one more song to show you at the very end. And he, he was sitting a few feet from me on a, another piano bench and he just started crying. Oh man. And I was like, oh no, you have to put it on the record. <laughs> so like, and then singing that song in vocally, all the vocals are really challenging for me. I cried through every vocal performance for this record. And that one, same thing. Like we are, Dave and I were wrestling. We have this whole conversation on video about it, about how to like kind of say what would be the chorus, if you will. And I was like, Dave, just like, just hit record, man. And we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And we did, and it came out and like, it's, it was, it was done. It was the take. And wow. Dave like shot out of his chair with his fists in the air with like same tears in his eyes. And he was like, that was it. You know, like that was the moment. <laughs> I Well, you open the album with a Johnny Cash cover, <laughs> <laughs> which is immediately such an amazing punch in the face. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but it's like you open the album with this beautiful rendition of Ring of Fire. Tell me how you ended up there. How I mean, how did you come to know yeah. that Ring of Fire was to open this record? Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny how sometimes we do things and we don't realize how important they're going to be later. But Aaron Strumpel and Dave and I love to A-B microphones and like, like preamps and we get really geeky about it. So Aaron had bought a, a new ribbon mic, an AEA ribbon mic. And I have an old, an old tiny little ribbon mic, an RCA mic. And we were A-Bing those ribbon mics. And I literally out of nowhere, I don't even know what happened, but I laid down this like kind of cool Wolitzer pad that sort of repeats and delays. And it came out of my mouth. Love is a burning thing and it makes a fire ring. And then I was like, okay, that's that's the old ribbon. And then I get the new ribbon, same thing, love, because I'm doing a mic test. And then I was like, Aaron, what I love about your AEA is it feels a little brighter, but mine feels like warmer and odd. And I was like, what happens if we just pan them hard right, hard left? What does that feel like? And then it felt like perfection. And so, <laughs> so literally that's all I had was like the very beginning of that song. And it started out as a mic test. And the very yeah. first file on my computer is RCA ribbon mic test. Well, fast forward about five months and my life has just, you know, been obliterated. And it's my wedding anniversary, mm. which is about um, two and a half months after I found out. And I hadn't gotten out of bed. I hadn't done any work. And a buddy of mine had been begging me to sing a vocal on his record. And he'd been asking me for months, but I was not very productive. 
And he knew what was going on, so he was really patient. And then he texted me. He's like, I hate to put any pressure on you, but the record's going to mix tomorrow. And if you have capacity, it would mean so much to me if you sang on my record. So I thought, well, if there's anything that really motivates me, it's not letting somebody I love down. So I was like, Latifa, you got to get out of this bed and you got to go down and you got to dust off your keyboard and you got to open up a session and you got to record something. So I sat down and I recorded his vocal and it was my wedding anniversary. <laughs> and I was uh -huh. like, I have to do something. Like I'm dying. And um, I, I saw that RCA mic test and I thought, well, this is just presenting itself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, I, I, I tracked those vocals are the raw vocals from that day. They're wow. unedited, untuned, like just that's the real thing. It's really raw. And um, man, I love them. Like yeah. they're not even perfect, but they're very real and very present. Yeah. Love is a burning thing. have a release date already that you're shooting for? I have a Kickstarter out. Um, I'm currently raising funds for the album um, in order to put it in your hands. This is the first time I'm ever printing vinyl. And wow. I am really excited about it because um, I've fallen yeah. in love with Hi-Fi this last year. So, yeah. um, But, you know, I, uh, I owe several people a large amount of money and I gotta pay them back for the record. Um, so yeah. my goal is once the Kickstarter is finished, um, the record will come out two months later. So I'm looking yeah. at late summer, early fall. Um, yeah. I think that'll land us the top of September. So yeah, well, tell us tell us where we can find your Kickstarter, and then I'll also put it in the show notes of this episode, yeah. and just really encourage our crew to get behind oh, you on this because I. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So where can we find your Kickstarter? Um, look for Moda Spira. That's M-O-D-A-S-P-I-R-A on Kickstarter and you should find it. Um, there's cool stuff on there. I actually have also recorded an entire companion piece podcast to the album where I walk through every song and there's That's interviews great. with almost everybody in my community as well, kind of talking about the process of like, there's like, we do geeky sonic production stuff too, where we talk about like yeah. each node and all those sounds. And then we also talk about the emotional journey and it's gonna be one of those, like you can download the whole podcast at once as, like you can the record and you can kind of listen along if you want like the deeper thing. So um, there's gonna be extra bonus video footage and bonus recordings. Dave recorded a song for A Boy and His Kite about what it's been like as a friend to witness this process that will also be part of the special packages. It's so beautiful <laughs> and it's yeah, awesome. gut-wrenching, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm really proud of this record. I think it's the best thing I've ever made. Well, Latifa, thank you so much for joining us on Makers and Mystics. I'm looking forward to following your journey from here. Um, definitely want to get the Kickstarter information into the hands of our audience here and uh, just wish you the best. Thank you. And, and you too, like grace and peace and what you're doing, man. It's, it's important and it's good yeah. to have really rich, thoughtful content. Like, it's a real uh, honor to be on the show. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. You can find links to Moda Spira in the show notes of this episode. And if you'd like to support the production of these podcasts, you can join our creative collective at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>